0: Open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah, it's hard to find, less than two pages stuck in the Old Testament. Uh, my biggest fear is that between services, I'll close my Bible and then, and then get up here in front of you guys and have to not, you know, not find it. Uh, preacher's supposed to be able to, you know, find it. in a, uh, I guess I'm not that preacher. Jonah chapter three is where we will be. Man, I've had an amazing weekend. We, uh, we brought in a number of our church planters uh, from across the United States. And I've been around a table with them all weekend. And uh, it's, it's been really encouraging. Also just really kind of um, uh, breaks my heart uh, for the way they serve. Um, it makes me really convicted. They do such hard things in such hard places. And I do such easy things in such an easy place. And it, and it, it just uh, when, it, and when I sing songs like we were just singing, where you know I give my life, I give my life to declare you are a king. I'm just not sure I'm giving my life when I sit face to face with guys who have really given you know their lives. Um. So, uh, Jonah is good for me, and and perhaps good for you right now. Uh, what a bonehead Jonah is i mean can we just say that out loud um a lot of you perhaps have never really read this story other than like the fish part but you know you read the whole book and you think man i, I would throw him in the water. i mean i would i would it's the kind of guy that needs to be eaten by fish you know and maybe never vomited up i mean it, it, he's just such a bonehead um but but it's it, it's good because i am so, i'm such a bonehead and uh, and it's good to read Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 is where we'll be today. Um, There is a, used to have a neighbor who lived at the end of our lane. His name was Mike Wilkerson, Julio, people called him. He's a great guy. A lot of you knew him, perhaps. Uh, (laughs) He was crazy. Uh, He was with the volunteer fire department of Woodburn. uh, Didn't have a car at one time. And so um, Mike uh, was in bed with his wife, Debbie, and the alarm went off. And so Mike, I mean, he's all about us. So he jumped up straight out of bed, out of a dead sleep, middle of the night, jumped up, started putting on his gear uh, and he knew he didn't have a car. So he was gonna, his plan was to run to his father-in-law who's next door. There's a field between their house. He's gonna run to his father-in-law's house, jump in the car, ride with him and God bless all the guys in Woodburn who protect us in this way. Uh, So they were responding to a house fire. And so Mike jumped up, uh, put on all of his stuff and just tore out across the field, you know, to get to John's house. So uh, anyway, uh, there was this fence post that that was right in the field between their houses uh, it's, it, it was there forever, I remember it. But the thing is, Mike didn't remember that it was there. So he goes out like full Julio speed, just whoo, tearing out across that field, you know, with his fire hat and putting all this stuff on. And he just runs, you know, smack. I mean, just poof, you know, full speed right. (laughs) You just got to know him. Uh, I mean, it's not great, but you know, it's just so (laughs) funny, you know, it's just boom, smack into that post. And so, you know, forget the fire. He just sort of, you know, stumbles back and just goes back and falls into bed, you know, just falls in bed. And Debbie says, you know, what's going on? You know, what's, and he's just like, uh, you know, just, you know, near death. And she says, what, what happened? What's wrong? And he said, I ran into the fence post. And, And then he said, and it didn't budge. <laughs> it didn't budge. Debbie said that he had a purple mark, like right down the middle of his body, like forever after that. Uh, so Jonah runs from God. He runs in the opposite direction, goes as far away as he possibly can. But everywhere he goes, he still runs smack into God. You understand this? You, you cannot run from him. You cannot run from him. So Jonah runs, he's in the boat with the sailors, the storm comes, they pitch him overboard, he sinks to the bottom of the ocean, a fish swallows him up, he prays, the fish vomits him up on some beach, and then here we are in in Jonah chapter three, God, after all of this, God is still there, God is still with Jonah, Jonah rocks smack into God, and what does God do? Gives him a second chance. I'm here to tell you people, a second chance is a wonderful thing. Jonah, second chance, chapter 3, verse 1. What's he gonna do with it? Let's read. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1. This is amazing. This is so good. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah, uh, say the word, second. Man, that's beautiful. Second chances are beautiful. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time, Jonah, say the word, Obeyed. You understand? This is how second chances work. This is what second chances are for. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least they declared a fast and put on sackcloth burlap to show their sorrow when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes okay understand this is the most powerful man in the world in his day The king of the Assyrian Empire is the most powerful man of his day, but he hears the word of God. He takes off his royal robes, leaves his throne, and sits in a pile of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Okay, okay, stop, because I'm sorry, I just think this is kind of funny. Like the animals too. Like like you know that people might put on sackcloth and fast and pray and repent of their sins, but the king says, we're gonna do the animals too. So like dogs and cats and chickens, I mean llamas, especially cats, are gonna repent. You know, they're gonna put on sackcloth I mean, you get that? Because this is what it says. Everything with breath in this kingdom is called to repentance. Why? People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they'd put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind, did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So uh, second chance. You know, Jonah from the belly of the whale prayed this prayer and, and, and the fish spits him up on some beach. We don't know what beach. We don't know what, and in my mind, like any beach, I mean, you know, you know, spit me up on a beach right now. You know, a beach is good, but we don't know what beach. Jonah was was fleeing God as far away as he could go. He's going to Tarsus, but we, we really don't know exactly in the ancient world what city was Tarsus. Some people think it was Spain. Some people think it was like modern day Japan, which is amazing. Either way, Jonah was going as far, either east or west, as far as he could, possibly go and so we don't know how long it's been he was in the belly of the whale for you know three days we know that but like when the fish finally you know regurgitates we don't really know where he is you know like what beach so you know it could be like a Japanese beach in which case Jonah's got a long walk home you know which you know will be good for him um a beach in Spain We don't know what, what beach So we don't know how much time but but, but but the thing is With all the time that's passed When Jonah runs smack into God To understand um, Chapter 3 verse 1 Sounds exactly like chapter 1 verse 1 uh, are, are you a little bit surprised at all? That, that when Jonah runs smack into God And God speaks again God says the same thing He was saying from the first He says get up and go to the great city of Nineveh I, I mean do you understand this? Because it's just sort of amazing. After all of this, God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed one bit. And, and this is just simply something you have to let, let, let sink into your own mind. Because this is just sort of a fact of life. God is unchanging. He doesn't change. He does not change. Therefore, you must change. You must change. Understand. You're going to run smack into him over and over in your life. And he's never going to budge. He's not going to budge. He's not going to change for you. The Bible doesn't change for you. God doesn't alter his plans. He's like, oh, no, you don't really want to do that. Okay, well, let's talk about what you want to do, baby doll. I mean, that is not God. That is not how he operates. God is unchanging. Therefore, you must change. I'm not sure we understand this, but Jonah... Comes to understand this, you you run and run and run, and you think you're going to outweigh him. You think you're going to outsmart him. You think that like you'll you'll leave and come back, and God will forget what you were talking about. But God doesn't change. Therefore, you must change. One day, <laughs> one day, case and I went to lunch at Jackmanisa Wrights Have y'all ever had lunch at Jackmanisa? Because you're all invited. You know, I'm inviting you right right now. I'll give you their address. Uh, no, they're, they're amazing. I love Jack and Manisa. Uh, this was like a Sunday lunch years ago and they had three boys, uh, Frank, Alex, and Rob. And Rob was the little one. And so uh, anyway, we're at their house and they uh, sitting around the table. Manisa had made this wonderful lunch for all of us. It was beautiful. Um, and we're about to eat. And right you know, after the blessing was, was, was voiced, uh, Jack turned around, opened the fridge and got out like off the top shelf, a plate of food. And put it down in front of Rob, like the littlest one. And when that plate went in front of Rob, Rob just like looked at it and frowned. Like just sat there. I, you know, at the right house, sometimes you just don't ask questions. And that was one of those moments I just, you know, you know whatever that is. So I, I ate my lunch. It was awesome. We all just ate and ate and ate. And we talked and fellowshiped. It was beautiful. And then we're done. And everybody, you know, is eaten, And the boys are being excused. And then Rob looks at, I mean, Jack looks at Rob and says, Rob, you going to eat anything? Rob just said, "Jack took the plate, put it back in the fridge. So at this time I'm thinking, "What? You know what? what? So I said, what, what is that plate? Y'all know, Jack right? Can y'all guess what was happening? Y'all understand? Like I don't even know. Like, I don't know like, when it happened, but at some point, Rob had said, like, you know, I'm done." And, and Jack had said, "You need to clean your plate." right? And Rob said, no. And at that point, like, you know, it's a showdown, Rob versus Jack. Y'all know Jack, right? Y'all know Jack? So Jack said, you will not eat another thing until you clean that plate. Right? So like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how many days. I have no idea. All I know is one more day went by and that plate came out and sat and Rob just, you know, I mean, stubborn, but understand, y'all got to know Jack, right? Uh, I mean, As a matter of fact, go to Jack's house and open the fridge. And if there is a 30-year-old plate of food in there, I know whose it is. I know whose it is. Do you understand? God doesn't change for you. And just because you may not like what he has said or you may not like what the Bible says, I'm telling you, you don't win. You're not going to change God. God. You're not going to change God by your disobedience. You're not going to change God by changing churches. You won't change God. You won't change God by dropping out and coming back in later. I'm telling you, you're not going to outweigh him. You're not going to change him. And so Jonah runs and runs and and, and goes through the storm and goes through the belly of the fish and comes out the other end of the fish and and vomited on the beach. And there he is on the beach and he runs smacking to God. And God is saying the very same thing. I mean, the very same thing he was saying from before, get up and go to Nineveh. And this time, I mean, this is what second chances are for, right? This time the scripture says Jonah obeyed. This time Jonah obeys. Technically. Te- sort, yeah, technically. Yeah, we would have to say technically he obeys. But but look. Uh, look. And y'all know Jonah, right? I mean, this is um, such a bonehead. I mean, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. On the day Jonah entered the city, verse four, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That sermon has how many words? Eight. Don't even think about it like y'all wish. Eight, eight words. Actually, that's in the New Living Translation. Like that's in English. Jonah spoke Hebrew. So he preached in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, this is four words, you guys. Four words, four words. So understand, Jonah does obey. He does obey. But he sort of does just bitterly the bare minimum. This is kind of like when your mama said, clean up your room. And you just like shove stuff under the bed and then just like pull the blankets up. So and she said, say, did you clean your room? You could say, yes. But, but by what kind of definition do we call that half-hearted little, you know, thing, obedience? And, and this is Jonah here. Do you understand? He obeys. I mean, technically, we would have to say he obeys. God says, get up and go to Nineveh and preach. And Jennifer gets, a, Jennifer. Jonah. It's, it's, you put Jonah and Nineveh together and, and it comes out, Geneveh. So Jonah, Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh, four words. In other words, just the bare minimum is as few words as it takes. And that's what he does. Shortest sermon in history. He, he gives it in this few words, not one word more. And he stays not one minute longer than it takes. You understand? I mean, he just barely does this. He does it, but barely. Fair minimum I, I, just honestly honestly you all this is the part of the story that i really struggled with this this part I, honestly this chapter be, because of this you know m- my first instinct is why does god waste time with this you know this half-hearted bonehead prophet I mean, I mean, at this point, if I were God, I'd be, I'd be like saying, throw him back in right? and just throw him and Jennifer back in and just throw them <laughs> back in, throw him in. I mean, it's, I mean, after all that he has seen of God's mercy, I mean, he cried out from the belly of the whale, I mean, just cried out from the depths. I mean, at that point, he had to think it was just the end. I mean, he, he, he says, man, I was in the jaws of death. And God, res- I mean, God rescued him in a miraculous way. I mean, he is standing there on, on dry ground, you know, with breath in his lungs. I mean, with the second chance and, and just the half-hearted way that he steps out from, from everything that he's seen of God and everything God has done for him. And he just goes out in, in this half-hearted way. And just does the bare minimum just to be able to say that he did it, just to be able to you know, get God off of his back and and, and, and just, just once and for all just do it and get it done. And why does God waste time? But the struggle is I'm I'm like that. I am like that you are too I mean, the old testament says that we should love love the lord our god with with all our heart like our whole heart but but i don't think i can say i do and i don't think you can say that either i don't think you can say that <laughs> Why does God waste time with half-hearted people like us? I mean, we do the bare minimum. I mean, some of you, I mean, God bless you. I don't, I don't know some of you, but, but, but you just come in and, and, you, and you sit in a pew like one time a week. And, and, and then, you know, you can tell everybody you're a Christian and you can tell yourself that you've done it, you know, and then you can, you can live like hell the rest of the week. And, 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 and that's just the way that we are. It's just half-heartedness. Just, just the minimum. You know, I'll give you i I'll give you an hour in church. If the sermon gets long, I may not come back next week, you know. I'll give you an hour. I mean as if Jesus died just to reserve you a, a spot in a pew. Just half hearted you know, obedience that, that we offer. It's it's, it's bitter. Why <laughs> just got even waste time with a half hearted prophet like me? But, but, but here's, here's the answer to that. And this is the answer that the Lord gave me. It's a verse I've known my whole life. Philippians chapter one, verse six. And it says this, God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God who began. God has begun something w- w- within me. Now it's within me. Now, I tend to focus on what God's going to do through me. I'm a pastor. You know, I want to preach. I want to see God work through me. I, wanna, I want God to do stuff around me. I want to see stuff. But, but this verse just brings me right back around to, 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 for me, the most important work that God is doing is not around me or through me. It is within me. It's in this heart. This half heart This hard heart This is where God is doing his most important work for me God has begun this good work in me And he will continue his work within me He's going to continue it Until when? Until it's finished until this half heart is wholeheartedly given over to him, until this hard heart is completely broken and shattered and put back together in the image of Christ. I mean, he is gonna work on this man's heart and he's gonna finish his heart. He's gonna do it. How long is it gonna take? Till Jesus comes. I mean, till Jesus comes. Like it ain't gonna be over like next year. I mean, no matter how many books I read and how much I pray, it's still going to be going on, you know, maybe when I'm 60, you know, like sometimes old people just get sweet and nice and, and, and you know, like good, maybe I'll be with those old good church men, you know, later after I go through menopause or whatever happens between now and then, you know, maybe God will soften this old man's heart in my old age and, and, and no, no, I mean, God is going to do it. He's going to continue it. He's going to finish it, but it's not really going to be done until I see Jesus, so my entire life is God just doing this work in me. In the meantime, y'all, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be perfect. And it's not going to be a whole heart. I, mean, I really want to give him a whole heart. I, mean, I really want to give him a life. But I'm too much like Jonah. And so are you. Even so, look, four words spit out with bitterness. Jonah. Doesn't give it one minute more than it takes. Not one word more than it takes. Doesn't stay any longer than it takes. He's out of there. He did it. He obeyed. It's done. And it's one of the greatest revivals in human history. This is one of the greatest revivals in human history. Preached by the lamest evangelist on earth. I mean, honestly, what a bonehead. Throw him back in, but look how God used him. Four words It's actually God honoring his word It's actually God honoring repentance It's God doing what God longs to do What God loves to do And in the meantime, Jonah's gonna continue to be dealt with I mean, God's not done with Jonah either Remember, God's begun a good work in Jonah But Jonah's still got some work to be done And God is not gonna give up on Jonah But Great revival in, in Nineveh. Like, why Nineveh? We talked about how they're just this wicked, wicked, bloodthirsty, conquering nation, wealthy, brutal. I mean, evil. I mean, even God says it. And this whole story starts because verse two says, I have seen how wicked Nineveh is. I mean, God knows the Syrian empire is, is brutal, wicked, and, and God is gonna send his warning and then send his judgment. I mean, this is where Jonah starts. God understands how wicked Nineveh is. But what else does he say? Over and over, every single time God mentions this city, he says what? It's great city. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. I have seen how wicked they are. Isn't that interesting? Get up and go. Verse 2, chapter 3, get up and go to the great city. I mean, over and over and over, it's the great city, the great city. Go to this great city. Like, what is it? Is it wicked or is it great? I mean, God says, I see how wicked this city is, this great city. How is it both? Well, understand, God sees their wickedness, no question. God sees it. God always sees sin. God sees it straight to the bottom. I mean, God understands exactly how wicked Nineveh is. It's not lost on him, how evil, how violent, how bloodthirsty. God knows all of that, but God still sees their greatness. God still sees what they can be. God knows what he could do in Nineveh if the people of Nineveh would open their hearts. I mean, God knows what he's put in them. You understand? In the same way that God sees you, he knows you. He knows how half-hearted, hard-hearted, boneheaded I am. And yet he still looks and sees me with the righteousness of Christ. I don't deserve that. It's a gift. It's the gospel. It's his grace. It's his mercy. You know, the bottom line is that God accepts us as we are, but he has no intention of leaving us that way. He knows today, he knows all of my flaws, he knows all of my sins, he knows how fake I can be, he knows how half-hearted I can be, and at the very same time, every single day I wake up and stand in his presence is another opportunity for him to do his great work within me. Do you understand? He sees me like I am, he loves me as I am, but he has no intention of leaving me that way, and no intention to let Nineveh die in their sins. So he says, Jonah, get up and go. Nineveh needs to know. Nineveh needs to hear. What is it about God? What is it about God that makes him the kind of God that would do all of this in Jonah's life and all of this for the sake of a wicked empire? What is it about God? Very simply, God's great heart breaks. I don't. I don't know how you think of God Uh, as maybe this fierce, angry grandfather up in heaven that you know, ready to you know zap lightning bolts. And he is a God of wrath and justice. Make no mistake. but, But he is a God of immense love. His heart breaks. When God looks at a nation like Nineveh and sees their wickedness, he also knows, knows the name of every child in that city. He knows, knows the goodness that could come if only his spirit could have free reign in the lives of those people. God's great heartbreaks for people. Now Jonah doesn't suspect this. Jonah you know, doesn't have any warm spot in his heart for anybody that's not like him. Jonah's racist. Jonah's hard hearted. Jonah doesn't care about anybody who doesn't look like him and have the same God that he has. I mean, Jonah doesn't care. And for that reason, Jonah really doesn't understand God. He really doesn't understand that God doesn't have the same heart he has. God's great heart breaks for the world. God loves the nations, all of them. God loves your neighbors, all of them. God loves you. And his great heart breaks. That the suffering and the sin of your life, God loves, God cares, God knows. You're saying his, his, his heart breaks. But at the very same time, God can only save the heart that wants to be saved. I know some of us struggle with this. It's the idea that, well, God is sovereign and God is great and God gets everything he wants and God can do everything he wants. But you don't understand something. God only saves the heart that wants to be saved. Absolutely. He's strong. Absolutely. He could control you like a puppet on a string. He could do that. He could just jerk you up by the back of the neck and shake you really good and shake salvation into you. He could do that. It'd be good for you. You understand? He absolutely could just take you and and force his love upon you. He could force all of the changes he wants to make in you. He could absolutely do this. He's sovereign. He spoke the multiverse into existence. He hangs the stars in place. He can absolutely do whatever he wants to do with you. But he doesn't. It's amazing that, that God of love, God of mercy, God of majesty is is such a God who, though he doesn't want a single heart, a single person to die outside of his love, at the same time, he can only save the hearts that want to be saved. So what does he do? He calls out to you. He, he pleads with you. He stands at the door door. Of your heart and knocks. Some of you, he's been knocking a long, long time. You need to understand something. His mercy endures forever. Yes. King of Assyria steps down off of his throne, takes off his robes, gets gets completely out from under all of the, the trappings of being who he was and just sits himself down in ashes because he knows good and well if if God is not merciful it's he's done if, if, if God is not merciful it's over for him the, the people in desperation and fear I mean even the animals are are draped in sackcloth I, I mean somehow some way if God is not merciful we're done God's Mercy en- endures forever. The amazing thing about the revival is they repent and, and God responds to their repentance. God responds to that. God responds. It's so this amazing salvation miracle, this amazing revival all through the nation, all across the city of Nineveh. Do you understand this? God does something great here. As people's hearts turn, as they take advantage of this opportunity for mercy, this one last chance. It's what you need to know. God's mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. God is not gonna change, understand. So his mercy will endure, but, but, but your opportunity to repent does not. I mean, Jonah preaches the part of the message faithfully. He says it's 40 days, 40 days. In other words, time's running out for you. And you need to understand that time runs out for you too. God is merciful, God is good, and God is great. And you've had a lot of opportunities. You've had a lot of second chances, but I'm telling you, you're not guaranteed another one. You don't know, and you can't depend upon the opportunity that that you'll just continue always throwing smack into God and get another opportunity. Jonah, all of his running, comes back, runs smack into God and, God gives him another chance. Go to Nineveh and this time Jonah goes. I mean, he obeys because that's what second chances are for. God's not gonna change, but but you must change. So here you are, you are hearing God's word. You are in his presence. You have breath in your lungs and you have this moment, you have this moment, you have another chance. And I'm here to tell you, a second chance is a wonderful thing. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Pray with me. God, some of us have run so far and so long. At some point in our lives, Lord, following you became just a, it began to demand a little bit more than we were willing to pay. And so at that point, we uh, we just stepped back. At some point, Lord, we became very content to give you half our heart, to give you Sunday morning. But Lord, we have kept... So much of our lives for ourselves, Lord. We have wanted to have our fun. We have wanted to have our way. We have kept so much of our own lives not crucified with Jesus, Lord. And so we gather here in this house, Lord, Sunday after Sunday as your half hearted children going through motions, often doing the bare minimum, sometimes with bitterness. God, help us. You are unchanging. In your holiness, in, in your majesty, in your beauty, your love, in your sovereignty, Lord God, you are unchanging. But Lord, we find it so difficult to change. Lord, we ourselves can be so stubborn. We ourselves can be so very, very wicked. We ourselves, Lord, love to be the Lord of our own lives. So, Lord God, if there's gonna be a change of heart inside of us, Lord, then only you can do this, Lord. We cannot change ourselves. If if we could change ourselves, we would have changed a long time ago, Lord. Only you, only you can begin and, and continue and finish the work within us that needs to be done, Lord God. So I pray that we will come to you, open our hearts to you, and begin to let you do what only you can do, Oh Lord God, we are half-hearted. Oh Lord God, we are so stubborn. Oh Lord God, we continue to think that somehow some way we will win in our rebellion against you. Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for one more chance to get it right. Pray, Lord God, that every heart will surrender to you in this moment. Pray, Lord, that every single one of us will take full advantage of this moment of mercy that you give us. You give this to us because of Jesus and in his name we pray. Amen.